Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Thinking Coach with David Petrozello. Uh, David will be joining us shortly. Uh, he'll be joining the broadcast very, very soon. He's just, uh, he's just doing a few things, and then he'll be with us. Um, I just thought I'd jump on to get started uh, and just in, in, introduce us to what today's topic is going to be about. So today's topic is a little bit more of a follow-on from a topic we discussed at Sports Coaching Insights with Simone Upman. Uh, today's topic is all about uh, how a coach handles feedback and the sort of feedback that a coach should be getting, um, whether it be positive or negative, and how you cope with that, particularly uh, depending on where it's coming from. So we're going we're gonna to cover that topic in a little bit more in depth with David today, and go through and talk talk about some of those some of those aspects. Uh, just quickly, uh, following the thinking coach, I, I urge you to stay with us. Uh, because following The Thinking Coach, we have this week's episode of The Great Sports Debate, uh, which will be coming to you live. Um, we'll be live with um, uh, just quickly. Simone and and uh, and Kieran. Kieran, my, my sparring partner, Kieran Longhurst, and Simone Upman will be joining us for The Great Sports Debate, and that will be coming to you live straight after The Thinking Coach uh, with David as well. So... Stay with us for that, and be with us for that when that uh, when that starts. Uh, probably just a little bit after the great uh, this show finishes. Um, where when the show finishes, probably not long. Probably about midday Perth time. Uh, if you're on the east coast, uh, I think that's about two p.m. Um, and if you're in other parts of the world, adjust accordingly. Um, also, just quickly before we we get into it, um, a quick shout out to all our our friends. Uh, who are dealing with the situation in Victoria right now, back into lockdown again uh, for seven days. Uh, our friends in community sport over there, hang tight and, and stick with us. So David's just making his way into the room now. Um, so we're going to – I'll introduce David once he's, once he's arrived and we'll get stuck straight into in Here he comes. He's on his way. Uh, there he is. Um, David. Thanks for joining us. Good to see you, mate. Um, we're just uh, just introducing everything. We're just getting started while we're waiting for you to come and jump on in. So great to have you with us, mate. Uh, how's your week been so far? Not bad. It's been good. Good to see. Uh, good to see you, Jerome, again. And uh, trying to get a little bit of downtime here, uh, where I am, uh, enjoying a little bit of, of vacation, kinda. Uh, so <laughs> it's been good. I'm just mentioning that uh, just announced today that uh, our friends in Victoria have, are in another seven-day snap lockdown due to COVID. So, yeah, so not great news there for community sport. Uh, finds yeah. it's shut down yet again. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's that's really too bad. Uh, here in British Columbia, we're we're lucky. You know, we've just sort of begun a restart, reopening. Uh, the restrictions that were put in place about six, week, six weeks ago have ended now. So now we can gather a bit more. We can start. We have a phase in of sport as well with indoor games being able to start on June the 15th. Um, outdoor games can start now. So, you know, we, I, it all comes back to the vaccination, right? Like our, yep. our, our vaccination efforts are not a huge population, only a few million people. So it, it kind of, once, once you hit a critical mass, we're over 65% vaccinated, I think at the moment um, for adults. So it's coming along, but it's too bad to hear about Victoria. I'm sure 
I'm sure uh, we still have a couple start, starts and stops to go. Yeah. And as I say to everyone who's involved in community and grassroots sport, when the opportunity comes and you can get a vaccine, uh, please consider rolling up your sleeve and getting it done because it's so important to make sure that we keep everybody safe and we keep grassroots sport on the park. And that's, that's a surefire way. I see you're in your new office or what looks to be a new office. Yes, I moved things around a little bit. The house, um, you know, still at home, of course, but uh, now on the on the ground level, and uh, um, hopefully, this gives me a little bit a little bit better uh, coverage and uh, in in on the Wi-Fi <laughs> on the Wi-Fi front. Not so close to the U.S. border. <laughs> yeah, we're a little. I'm on the other side. Like, I, it's not a huge house, but I am facing the other way. So let's let's hope that works. <laughs> <laughs> Well, today's topic, as we say, is about uh, dealing with feedback as a coach and dealing with feedback in all sorts of forms and how it comes. And it's a bit of a follow-on from previous conversations I've had with Simone and others about this. Well, I'm the pro. Yeah, how important is it that a coach gets feedback? But how important is it to make sure that that feedback that they're getting is actually constructive? Yeah, you know, it's it's really important. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's part of our, part of our learning process as coaches is to constantly be getting, uh, feedback on what it is we're doing, you know, how we are making progress, uh, whether something is working or not working. Um, you know, we're always looking for that feedback. I think the, the key, and we're going to get into this, of course, but the key to any feedback, whether it's for coaches or not for coaches or just in general in our day-to-day -day lives, for any feedback to truly be helpful, it needs to be solution-oriented and it needs to be something that is um, like focused on controllable things, controllable aspects of what we're doing. Um, and, you know, sometimes in sport, um, you know, criticism of coaches or feedback of coaches, you know, we, we tend to make things very black and white in sport because we deal with wins or losses. Very few sports have draws. And so there is, it's really is a binary type of relationship mm. um, when it comes to the black and white nature of outcome. Uh, but the entire process of coaching is anything but black and white. Um, and I think the feedback that is provided to coaches to help coaches get better and improve their teams and improve themselves really can't be in that black and white space. It needs to be, um, you know, in, in recognizing that there are some things that you just can't control. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important, but the type and nature of the feedback is, is what really matters. And again, I I come back to that point. How important is that feedback? But how important is it that that feedback is in context? Very, very important. I mean, the, you know, the, the context in which any coach finds themselves with their team um, is, is going to be uh, unique. So, you know, the, if you're talking to a coach who works with a particular type of athlete, uh, let's say a certain age group, then, you know, the, the work that they are doing is not going to be the same as the work that another coach is doing with another age group of different skill levels. And, um, you know, we have to flip 
like flip it around. When, when we as coaches are providing feedback to our athletes, we are taking into consideration who they are, what they were trying to do, what their background is. Are they a beginner? Are they an expert? Are they somewhere in between? Um, and we are talking to that person uh, and trying to connect them with where they could have done better by giving them a tangible example. Oops. And so if, if we just, you know, adopt that same mentality uh, to our own feedback that we are either providing to other coaches or when we are receiving feedback, then the same thing applies, right? Is, is the coach a beginner coach? Is the coach an expert coach? Is the coach somewhere in between? What are they trying to do with their group? What are they trying to accomplish, um, you know, at any particular time? And how can you help them as the person who is providing feedback, um, help them improve and help their team improve uh, by being solution oriented and by providing some concrete examples of um, in context of what it is that you're trying to help them get a better grasp of. Yeah, I'll put some context to it now. You're in a, you're someone who's, who's coached for many, many years with a lot of experience behind you. Um, you're helping a young coach, mentoring a young coach. What sort of feedback do you do you believe you need? You, what are the areas that you'll be wanting to provide feedback to that coach on, um, particularly someone new, young coming into the into the into the into coaching? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, the one of the the first things that we really talk about uh, when I start working with coaches who are you know beginner coaches is trying to encourage them to recognize that less is usually more um, and finding what the right steps are that they need to be taken, taking at that time with their team and small steps uh, lead to big steps and not to try to do too much too soon. Um, so often the feedback is, okay, you're trying to accomplish X, Y, or Z with this particular segment of practice, for example, or, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And really that is a large chunk with several smaller chunks. Mm. And if you don't focus on those smaller chunks, the bigger chunk never comes together. So it, it, it becomes an exercise in trying to itemize the process um, by which the coach is trying to teach something or develop, you know, um, skills in or, you know, whatever they might be working on. But oftentimes uh, I find myself encouraging coaches to slow down and to think at a, at a smaller level, so to speak, um, so that they can build appropriately, um, you know, uh, into bigger things, but not to try to do that too fast. Um, Kieran's online. He's just, uh, he's just uh, sent a message saying, uh, how are you, David? I hope you're well. Uh, everything's going okay. So that's that Kieran's just jumped on. Um, Appreciate you, mate. Yeah, he'll be joining us late. He'll be joining us later for the great sports debate. Later, he'll be joining me later for the great sports debate later on today. Um, we we talk about this. You know, we're talking about feedback. Feedback comes in many different forms. Um, and what do you see as being 
are they all valuable or is there a specific type of feedback that's more valuable than necessarily others would be? I, I think the first lesson we need to learn just in general, okay, like not even within sport per se, but it applies for in sport, of course, but in general is to separate noise from feedback. Mm. Noise is a barking dog, you know, the, the, the equivalent of a barking dog um, and uh, who, who, you know, takes it upon themselves to provide, um, you know, maybe some, some feedback in their own mind, um, but in a way which, which, you know, lessens the, uh, the quality or the recept, you know, the reception of that information, whether or not the information is good. Uh, or not. And I, I, I often, you know, I've had to learn that myself in my own life that, you know, the, the means of delivering a message matters more because it's the first thing that um, someone, the person that you're trying to deliver the message to is going to experience. They're going to experience the manner in which you try to deliver uh, the feedback. And you know, I think that we've come a long way in moving away from, you know, just ignore how the coach talks and hear the message. I still think we hear that. I still think we are uh, seeing instances where, you know, athletes are telling perhaps other athletes, like, just ignore the coach, the coach's tone or um, and just focus in on the message. And to a certain degree, I think that when you're dealing with mature athletes, um, in particular in the heat of important professional competition, uh, you know, it becomes less about, yeah. you know, it, it becomes almost totally about outcome, right? Um, however, I don't believe that we should be counseling youth athletes or grassroots athletes or coaches to, to completely disregard the manner in which they're delivering their message. So even if, even if the, the, the content might be good in some objective way, um, it's noise. If it's delivered in a way that makes people not receptive to it. Um, and it's that, that is a, a terrible place to be as a coach trying to provide feedback either to another coach or to an athlete. Uh, or, or a club or whatnot. And it's it, it, the same thing is in reverse. When a coach is receiving feedback that could be characterized as noise, um, then we actually lose the ability to learn from what could have been otherwise something really helpful. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a shame. Um, but I, I believe that as coaches, we, in the same way as athletes, we have, uh, we have to stand for our self-respect we have to stand for you know our our self-worth and not allow um you know people in the guise of wanting to help us improve speak to us as if we are less than uh in a degrading way in a demeaning way um and that sort of thing i think that for anyone to make it as a coach for any length of time of course, you are going to encounter criticism and you are going to hear a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what leads many of us to just tune it out 
and um, try to ignore as best we can, even though we are human. And of course we have emotions and feelings and it's not, you know, we all tend to be fairly likable people, uh, you know? So when, when something goes wrong and people are attacking you as a person, that is difficult, right? Um, however, we, I think it is important for us to be able to separate noise from actual feedback. And the way that I do that is by first um, determining whether or not I can actually hear what the person is trying to say. Like, can I actually cut through the, you know, the delivery and get to the content? And if I can, then I'm gonna take everything. I'm gonna take everything. I'll listen to everything. I'll listen to every opinion. I'll listen to every, you know, uh, letter that might get written in. I'll, I'll read it. I'll listen. Like I, I will if it comes in in a way that I can um, bring myself to read it and not feel as if I'm being attacked and demeaned as a person. Um, then by all means. Now I might be like. That's great, but no, uh, you know, it's, it's not feedback that I can, I can apply. Um, but I, I believe that when we have people who are providing feedback to us, uh, whether that's negative or positive, if we have the spirit of, of learning, then as long as it doesn't cross the line to demeaning or degrading and so forth and affect our self-worth, then by all means, we should take it in. Um, and then, you know, chew on it and determine for ourselves whether or not any, I should, you know, we should do anything with that information. Mm. Um, but, but that, that's a real challenge for coaches, especially beginner coaches. Where is the line? And that line for me is not going to be the same as the line for you or for anybody else. Um, we need to figure out for ourselves, where is that line? And certainly, at younger levels or at more grassroots levels, um, you know, the, the line is probably at a, at, you know, closer. We get to that line quicker than if we are at, at higher, more competitive levels um, where there's more money involved, there are, you know, you know, careers or there are, you know, wh whatever the case may be, um, contracts and so forth. Uh, at that point, that line just moves further and further down. And if if we get to that level of competition, then we have built up um, this ability to sift through the noise and to to hopefully take something positive away, uh, even if that is just a reinforcement of what you already believe. Um, but, uh, you know, we should never shy away uh, from subjecting our own opinions to to critical analysis. Uh, Kieran has a question. Um, does also the way feedback is provided help, um, e.g. giving it to them as a friend or not holding back? You know, I think he's probably asking whether, you know, the sit who's delivering the situation, I guess. That's a great question. And my best advice on this, uh, which I, I truly believe in, um, and I, I try to I try to encourage coaches on this as much as possible is when when you are receiving feedback is the same as when you are giving feedback. And we tend to think as coaches more in terms of the feedback we give. 
right? Rather than the feedback we receive. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But I think at the end of the day, the feedback that we give, we have to do the work in order to understand whether or not that person is ready to hear you, is able to hear you, what they need to hear or feel before they can hear you and so forth. It makes it difficult you know, for us to provide generalized sort of feedback willy-nilly. Uh, because if we are just throwing stuff out there without any real connection to the context or to the person and to what they need to effectively take it in, then we're just talking. Like, we're, we're just talking. And I think a lot of coaches feel they're not coaching if they're not ranting and raving and shouting. Um, and so, you know, think about it in terms of the feedback you give like this is the person I'm talking to ready to hear this. And that could be an emotional state. Are they in, are they in fight mode right now? Are they in the redhead zone? Are they in the blue head zone? Where are they? Okay. Uh, and are they ready to hear me? And if they are not, then hopefully what you have done as a coach in, in collaboration with your athlete is, or your other coach that you're working with could be as an assistant coach with your head coach uh, and so forth. But you've, you've identified ways to get them into the zone that you need them to be in, in order to hear the feedback. Sometimes that's a verbal cue. Sometimes that's, you know, it, it could be really anything. Everybody, when they go through their, their, their mental sort of emotional buildup, they have different cues and different ways of managing high stress environments. Um, I know for myself, my assistant coaches learn that if I'm in a heightened state of emotion, yelling at me is not going to work. Like telling me to calm down or, you know, coming up to me in an agitated state, it, 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 it that doesn't work. I don't hear them. But putting an arm on a hand on my shoulder and, you know, having me sit down because I never sit during games. I very like I sit down, I get back up right away. Um, that that's like, all right. I disconnect from whatever is in the moment and I, I hear what people are trying to tell me. OK, so that that management, right, like you say, you manage up and it's the same thing whether or not we are managing up or managing down, we're managing people. So understanding, is that person ready to hear you? And what do they need to be like as a person in the moment? What state do they need to be in in order to hear you? Because otherwise we're just talking and, you know, just talking doesn't help anybody. We want it to be effective feedback. Yeah. You talked a lot about white noise there, and I think we now, now we live in a world where social media is is far, you know, is far more prevalent than when I first started as a, as a, as a young coach coming up, uh, which means the white noise tends to be a little bit more heightened. Um, yeah, how do how does a how do you, you know, it, it is difficult. You know, how does a coach shut the, shut off from that white noise? How do they? Uh, how do they clear that out? 
in order so that they can actually hear what they need to hear? I, I think the best thing that we can do as coaches is to decide early on, and it's going to take trial and error, honestly, um, in my opinion, but is to decide early on on a strategy for dealing with the noise, with the white noise. Um, and some people will ignore it. Um, it's more difficult to ignore the higher levels you get to because it is just magnified. There's a magnitude of more, um, you know, noise, opinions, barking dogs, um, you know, the, 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 the higher the level of competition. So it becomes more difficult to do that. However, I think everybody needs to decide about a strategy. Um, and so sometimes that is, it could be something real tangible, logistical, like, for example, um, if you coach a youth team and you have agitated parents uh, or agitated supporters for whatever reason, um, you know, having a timeline uh, within which, you know, you don't communicate, um, you know, you, you allow for emotions to die down so there can be a real discussion. The key is that you actually engage in a real discussion. Um, I think standing in a parking lot and yelling at each other is, that's not helpful. Um, and, and that's not, uh, you know, you can't cut out the people that are in the stands. People might still be yelling things in the stands and heckling and things like that. And hopefully at a youth level, at a grassroots level, the, the organizations that deliver youth sport do a good job of maintaining a positive um, sporting sportsmanship focused environment, uh, where behavior, um, like that is, is, is frankly just not allowed. Um, in particular, because you're dealing with young people, young people who are simply trying to play a sport, uh, because they enjoy it and because it's a physical activity. And we have, you know, this is a whole other discussion, but a, 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 a big problem with youth sport is that we have applied the rules of adults to kids. And in more ways than one, in particular in this way, where we look at adult sport as entertainment. We look at youth sport as entertainment in the same way, but it's not. It's not entertainment in the same way. And so I feel that when you're talking about how to manage, you know, the noise or ways for, for you as a coach to, to decide how are you going to deal with this? Um, I think make some decisions early on. Don't try to figure it out as you go. Make decisions and then change your approach if your approach needs to be changed. That's okay. It's okay to review what you do and to say, that's not working, let's try something else. But I do think that there should be a plan for dealing with wherever the sources of that feedback that is across the line and more in the noise category, um, you need a plan to deal with that. If that's social media, curate your social media, curate it accordingly. Um, there's nothing that says like, think of social media as the patio at the local pub, 
you don't have to listen to every barking dog that shouts out an opinion on whatever. Okay. Social media is no different. Like everybody has the ability to put their two cents out there and it could be a great place at times. It could also be a very destructive place at times. And there is no reason it's not obligated for people to have to, you know, take in everybody's opinion. Um, you know, because if, again, like it's, it's, this is an old kind of quote, but like if you stop for every barking dog along the road, you're never going to get to where you want to go. Mm. So, you know, curate your social media um, and focus on the things that you can control. I think that's another element that we'll probably get into. But, you know, bottom line, I, I really encourage coaches to make decisions early about how they would like to handle noise. And if that needs to be changed, fine, but come in with a plan. Uh, Kieran asks a point here, and, and, and it goes a little bit to what I was uh, probably going to talk about next. Is there a point of taking and listening to criticism and a point of where you're, you're standing up for the way you coach? Honestly, I, I think that you, as coaches, we are – we are leaders. And as leaders, we it's incumbent upon us to take the feedback uh, from the people that we are trying to lead. The people that we are trying to lead are not alone. Uh, they have family, they have parents, they have siblings, they have cousins, uncles. I mean, you would you can imagine from all points where the feedback could come from. When you're working with, um, you know, youth and grassroots athletes, um, it's incumbent upon us, I think, to take an approach where we have an open ear. I, I draw the line when it comes to, again, if it is demeaning or degrading or anything of that nature, then, I mean, that's not feedback, that's noise. Coaches, we're not meant to be martyrs. We go about doing what we do. We do our best. I think we should act in a way that, you know, protects our own self-worth, mental health, et cetera. Um, however, we recognize that when we are leaders, we put ourselves out there. That is our decision, okay, to, to be a coach. And I think you can't be a leader if you don't hear what the people that you're leading um, have to say, um, are, and the people that are connected to them. Now, when you are, let's say the head coach of, at a club or at a, you know, at a, at a level where there are far more stakeholders than in an under 11, uh, team, there are supporters, there are investors, there are, you know, sponsors, there's you name it. You are also their leader. And so the feedback that you take, um, I think, needs to, the approach that you take to the feedback you receive also needs to be uh, open to, to those conversations. However, all of that being said, you know, we are in the positions that we are in for, you know, the reasons that we get hired, whether that's a track record of success, whether that's building good culture, whether that's 
you know, player development, whether that's, you know, whatever the case may be or whatever, or you might just be the person who's there and nobody else can do it. Nobody else wants to do it. And all of this can happen. And so if we are in the position, if we are in the role, then we have to own that and believe in ourselves. Um, and I think that as coaches, we, we go about our business with genuine intentions. Like I said, we mean well, we work hard, we try our best, okay? We have a learner mind. We are constantly seeking to improve. We want our, our athletes and our teams to be successful. Great. Take the feedback, but that doesn't mean that you have to change what you do. You don't have to change what you do. I think that only an insecure person would say, my way is right. I don't care what anybody else has to say. I think a secure and confident person says, I believe my way is right. I'll listen to what you have to say. And if I still believe what I believe, then I believe what I believe. But nobody knows everything. Hmm. So I, I don't believe that we should be defending our way of coaching from a mindset that prohibits discussion. Um, because if we do that, then that is the tone that we are setting within our team. And then an athlete could just say, I'm good at what I do. I don't need to listen to the feedback because I'm already able to do something the way that I like to do it, coach. So it's okay. I don't need your help, right? Um, it's very important that we model the same behavior that we want our athletes uh, to exhibit. And that is an open mind ready to take in new information, ready to be critical in our review, uh, confident once we make a decision, confident in ourselves, um, but always, of course, um, you know, making sure that we are um, putting our own mental health and our own self-worth and self-care first and foremost, and, uh, and then moving on from there. You talked a little bit about controllables, and, and, and we often hear this phrase, control the controllables you know we often hear that in in all forms of coaching you can only control what you can control in this in this particular area of feedback how important is it uh how important is that you know being able to control you know and understand that you will only be able to control what you can you know there will be things that you can't that are just not are unforeseen yeah you know what it, it matters a huge amount because you know if Jerome if you come in to watch my team and you watch us play three four games um and your you know your feedback to me as a coach is you know something that is about something that I can't change you know um I might I might be coaching a 14 and under basketball team and and you come to me and you tell me um, get taller players. Okay. But like, I can't make them grow mm. and maybe I'm in an environment where I can't recruit. And, you know, like there are some things that you just can't change. And those things are going to differ from one situation to another. Right. Um, if somebody is coaching a, a nine and under soccer team and, you know, half the team has never played organized soccer before. You're going to spend a lot of time teaching them the basics and the fundamentals of how to play the game. 
And so if the feedback that somebody provides you, whether that's a parent or another coach or, or whatever, if the feedback is, you know, talking to you about things that, you know, your athletes just simply cannot do, then um, like that's something you can't control. You can't control that. Mm. So when I, when I, when I mentioned controllable elements, like the feedback needs to be about controllable elements. For example, in basketball, we might want, we, you know, somebody might watch my team play four or five games and they say, Hey coach, here's a couple things that I've noticed. You know, when the ball comes up the court on the left side, you 40% of the time you end up taking a bad shot because XYZ. Okay. Okay. But when you when when you bring the ball up the right side of the floor, 60% of the time you get a really good shot because ABC. Okay. So now I can control that. Now I can say, hey, let's introduce ABC on the left side. You know what? We haven't been doing that as much in training. Hey, all right, let's work on that today, right? Because you can then take the feedback and go back and watch the film or review the match or however it is that you do that. And you say, you know what? Here's something that we missed. You know, we, we don't collapse the defense as much when we, we tend to settle for setting an on-ball screen coming up the left side. Whereas coming up the right side, we're real aggressive in transition and we collapse the defense early. It leads to better shots, for example. Okay. That is feedback I can action. That is something I can control. I can control how we attack on that side of the floor. And, you know, these are things that a coach could actually take as feedback, implement changes, and then review and see whether or not that has an impact on things. So the controllables, uh, when it comes to feedback, it really comes down to, are these things that we can action and things that we have an element of, of ability to change? Can we change these things, mm -hmm. right? Um, and if you can't, then honestly, store that feedback away and come back to it in the off season or come back to it maybe later on if you have a change in personnel or, or whatnot, like your, the filing cabinet up here and the real filing cabinets and the, your, your drives online and everything, like the, this stuff never goes away. But you can only focus on what matters in the moment, in the moment. So identify what those things are in terms of the controllables, things you can actually change um, and put your efforts into those things and not the things that you can't control, like get better players. Well, you know what? I can't get better players. These, these are the players I got and I need to coach them to the best of my ability to help them get to the best of their ability. And I'm going to roll with this group and we're going to do our best. And, you know, we, because just, there are some things you just can't change and you shouldn't waste time, energy, uh, anxiety on focusing on those things. Work with what you got. We talk a lot, we're talking a bit, we're talking a lot about feedback. How important is it to make sure, and this is something that I always say, how important is it to make sure that you don't overreact, you don't overreact to, a, to feedback that comes in 
in a way in which it, it, it you make it perhaps to be more than it actually is. How important is your reaction, making sure you don't overreact to something? I mean, our reactions to events are everything, you know, like it, it's all about the event, you know, uh, plus the reaction equals what happens next, right? Um, so, you know, whether it's to the feedback or whether it's to a play or whether it's to, you know, something, anything that happens, you, your reaction is really what dictates what happens next. So maintaining our poise um, is really hard, you know, because we are, um, you know, we're all wired differently. Some of us have a, a fight response. Uh, some of us have a flight response. Some of us are somewhere in between or, you know, a couple others. Um, and so when, when we feel as if we are being unjustly criticized, um, then we, we tend perhaps to get into a fight response and the fight response shuts us down from being able to, to, to take in, you know, uh, take in the feedback. Um, and so, you know, that's a challenge, of course, because at the end of the day, we all have emotions and we all have to live and nobody likes being told that they're not good at something that they are trying really hard to be good at. Right. Um, no one likes putting time, effort, energy uh, into creating a training plan um, only to deliver the training in a way that falls super flat and the feedback from your athletes is like that was not fun um you know and we didn't get better uh or to receive feedback from another coach that's like you know why are you doing that and not just why are you doing that but why are you doing all of these bad things that are hurting your players um so you know nobody enjoys that um the, the, the key is, to me, this is how I've done it. And I haven't always been successful, Jerome, because I am, I, listen, I'm French-Italian. My blood boils with the best of them. And if, if, if I feel as if I'm being targeted um, unjustly, then I tend, to, I tend to have a fight response. Um, and sometimes that's hurt me. Sometimes that's helped me. Um, but I would say the, the first thing to do is to decide, is it noise or is it feedback? If it's noise, it's noise. Mm. If it's feedback, tune in, tune into that. Try to really tune into what's being said. Um, but you have to claim that power for yourself as a person to first determine whether that is noise or whether that is, is feedback. And of course, if it comes from a trusted person, uh, from someone that you, a mentor or whatnot, even if that mentor is really getting on you and you're like, mm, like hopefully you have that relationship where you're able to, um, you know, without crossing the line, of course, but with, you have the ability to say, listen, like I got to hear what's being said right now. Um, and so, you know, without that person wanting to take you down or demean you or anything like that. I think, I, I think the manner in which we speak to each other in general, and especially within sports coaching is super important. And if we are going to be toxic and negative, 
then the environment we are going to be in will be toxic and negative. And if we're going to be supportive, positive and, and empowering, then that's what the environment will be. And that is the environment that I far prefer um, for myself. And it's the one that that I uh, prefer to create um, for the people that are around me. Um, so if you have to start with that determination, is it one side or is it the other? And be okay with just tuning out um, something that might be on the noise side, but be prepared for the uncomfortable uh, situation of tuning in to something that is, is feedback that you're going to listen to and ask yourself the tough questions. Be, be ready for that discomfort. I, I want to sort of flip it just quickly with this last little bit, just flip it around to the person who's probably giving that feedback. Say it's a, an older coach that's been out of the game for some time and they are looking to give some feedback to a younger coach. How important is it to make sure the older coach needs to make sure that they're actually current and relevant, that they're not actually giving feedback that's actually dated in the sense that it's dated from when they were coaching, but due to modern, due to the way the modern game has changed in a particular sport, perhaps doesn't apply. How do, how do, do people need to be, particularly coaches that are from an era that's that's past, need to be very careful when giving feedback that they're actually they're actually still current in what they're giving. I think I'll take it in a slightly different direction because I, I think I don't believe that modern equals better. Yeah. And I don't believe that old equals less, mm. um, less than or worse or however you want to characterize that. I think that um, what we are really trying to do is understand the optimal way of doing something. Mm. And sometimes that will include um, you know, more traditional training or more traditional approaches or more traditional feedback or more traditional, you know, actions on the field or, or on the court or whatnot. And sometimes it will be more contemporary, um, where a, a sport might've evolved to in certain ways. So I, I think it's that optimality that we are really looking for. And if we have a, an open mind that can come from anywhere what really matters is the what the purpose is of the feedback so if i'm an older coach and i'm talking to a younger coach or i'm a more experienced coach and i'm talking to a less experienced coach why am i providing them the feedback am i providing the feedback to make myself feel good or to somehow prove that my way is better? Or am I providing the feedback because I am trying to help that coach find what the optimal way of doing something is? And I'm providing some feedbacks, my two cents, my opinion. Sometimes it's unsolicited. Sometimes it is solicited. What I want to say really clearly, though, is that it's not about us as the person providing the feedback. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about that coach in their context with their athletes. Some things might apply in most situations, in most cases, um, and so forth. But it, with the global nature of sport, 
I can guarantee you that there are going to be contexts on the ground that make what we did uh, in our context completely inapplicable, okay? Um, it could be in the terminology, things that we, you know, how we call certain things, the names or the labels that we put on things. Um, there could be a whole range of reasons why you can't say those things or do those things in that environment. So traditional does not equal bad. Contemporary does not equal good, like as a default. What does matter as a default, in my opinion, is the approach that someone takes. Are they on the noise side or are they on the feedback side? And if they are coming in on the noise side, whether that's a, a young, another young coach or another new coach, or it's an old coach, it, it's noise. And if they're on the feedback side, then we should take it in and try to try to understand it. That being said, all of that being said, Jerome, I am going to say this because I believe it really wholeheartedly. Mm. I think that as contemporary coaches, coaches who are on the ground right now, working with athletes, working with, with teams, et cetera, we should be recognizing that the coaches who came before us are in some ways disconnected from the reality on the ground. Could be for any number of reasons. Maybe they haven't been on court or they haven't, you know, done something. They haven't actually coached a team or coached, you know, um, in, in maybe two generations. Okay. And people change and technology has changed and society has changed. And all of these things have meant that we have had to change and evolve as coaches as well. We should understand that. Does that mean we take and dismiss what they have to say out of hand? No. But if they are talking about something with which they might not have much experience, then we should take it with a grain of salt. And we should not um, sort of put so much emphasis on the opinions of others, in particular people that don't understand what it is that we are facing on the ground because they haven't been on the ground, perhaps, in a long time. Um, we should really be focusing on the opinions of the people that, that are close to us, that we rely on to be honest with us. Um, you know, don't, do not willingly give up free real estate inside your head mm. to people who shouldn't be there. You know, uh, just don't. Uh, and it's hard as coaches because for some reason, um, what we do seems just accessible enough that everybody's going to have an opinion. Mm. It's just accessible enough because they can watch it and their eyes, sometimes they can become very, very practiced eyes, very experienced eyes, um, and they can see things from a distance without necessarily being able to get onto the ground and teach it or, or coach it or work with people or work with groups. Nobody is, is 
um, you know, armchair coaching, so to speak, the neurosurgeon, because we all recognize that is completely inaccessible for just about everybody other than neurosurgeons. Mm. Okay. Um, and so we, we kind of have to deal with that, but I, I, I want to encourage coaches do not give up real estate in your head to people who shouldn't be there. Mm. Take feedback, any feedback with a grain of salt. In particular, if it comes from a place where that person might not really know anything about what you're doing. They don't know you. They don't know where you are, the reality on the ground. They're just a voice in the wilderness. You know, do not, do not stop for every barking dog because you'll never get to where you want to go. Um, that's easier said than done. However, it's a critical skill for coaches to learn. And I encourage, I encourage all the coaches that are listening um, or, you know, whether or not it applies to you or whether you're talking to another coach or it applies at your club or it applies, you know, in your program somehow, um, you know, be open to feedback, be confident in your own opinions. Don't get into second guessing. However, uh, be firm in your ability to separate the noise from the feedback and then go through uh, trying to learn as much as you can. Well, I, that's a pretty good way to just sum it up. But I, I, I will ask you, it, the one thing that you would say to, to coaches there when dealing with feedbacks, what's, just as we sum up, what's the one thing that you, you, I know you've said quite a bit, but the one core thing that you, you want people to remember that's, that's vitally important to hear in this, this topic? Yeah, we, we spent most of our time talking about negative feedback. Um, but the, the positive feedback should be taken in the same way. And the one thing that I will say, uh, like the one takeaway is, you know, the, the work that we do, we do it because we believe it's the right way to do it. And we put in the time, we put in the effort to prepare and we are where we are for a reason. Um, which means that when the positive feedback comes in, separate it from the noise, separate the positive noise. Oh, this is great. You're amazing. And all this, uh, away from the feedback as well, because the, the positive noise, it, it can be, it can trick you into thinking certain things that take you away from what you're trying to do. And, uh, that one takeaway is be confident in yourself, do the work and trust your work. Because if you've done the work, you're ready. If you haven't done the work, then you have doubts and you start saying, oh, maybe I should listen to this or maybe I should do that. And maybe somebody says, hey, you should try this. Oh, you know what? That's a good idea. But if you've done the work, you've already evaluated those options. Um, so my, my takeaway is prepare yourselves adequately. Do the work early and always be open to what can come your way try to learn from it have that learners that beginners mindset where you know you are open and receptive to feedback positive and negative but also be ready to separate the noise from that feedback so that you don't get lost in 
the stuff that doesn't matter. Um, make sure that, you know, feedback is focused on solutions. It's actionable. And um, it, it is on things that you can actually control. It's about something that you can change. I'll give you a, a final quick example. You know, something that I do with my teams, you know, everybody does this, right? Like we talk, we say, hey, okay, let's talk about the session. Let's talk about the game, you know, at a debrief. Uh, and you'll get usually the stock answers, right? Like uh, we, we moved the ball well. Okay. Uh, we, we worked hard or we didn't run hard enough. Okay. Whatever the feedback is. It can't stop there. It needs to be a follow-up. Give me an example of that. Like, can you be specific? Can you give me a specific example, right? Um, that time where, you know, you know, Bobby made an extra pass and we got an open shot or that time where I didn't run back, um, like specific things. And so, the feedback also needs to be specific. Mm -hmm. Seek out specific feedback. Look for people who will give you specific feedback, positive and negative. I love that decision. It had a real positive impact on the game. Um, or, you know, this didn't work out. Why do we think it didn't work out? Something really specific. And I think that taken together, if coaches have this mindset and this approach um, where they are open, confident, they are able to separate the noise from the feedback, they're solution oriented, and they are looking for, for things that can be controlled and things that they can change, then really what coaches are doing, they're setting themselves up to um, become a better coach because we all need feedback. We all need, you know, information that we can think about, reflect on, analyze, and make decisions upon. And feedback can be a great thing. All right. Well, again, thank you, David, for, for, for this. You know, thank you again for being a part of this and being involved with the Thinking Coach and, and, and helping us to, to put across that, uh, that uh, what we're talking about here, which is feedback, which is the importance of feedback. Uh, it's, a, it's, a valuable, it's a valuable tool for all coaches, both positive and negative. And yep, and, and it's important that we, you know, that we we do provide constructive feedback. So thanks again, David, for being part of the show. And we look forward to next week's episode. Sounds good, Jerome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.